3: This hour, it's Let Me Speak to the Governor. Governor Spencer Cox answers questions from KSL and, and from, from you. you. Call now 801 575 8255. Let Me Speak to the Governor. Live from the studios of KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM.
1: Thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor. I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Utah Governor Spencer Cox. Taking your calls, questions this hour at 801-575-8255. You can also uh, text us your questions at 575-8255. And Governor, good afternoon.
4: Good afternoon. It's great to be with you again.
1: It's great to have you. And uh, we're in the heat of the legislative session, uh, starting to wind to a close. First of all, just give us your overall perspective of what's happened during the session.
4: Well, so far, it's it's actually been a very positive session, and uh, and I so appreciate the members of the legislature and their families who who sacrificed a tremendous amount during these forty five days. We're very pleased. I I know people. It's really easy to um, hear about a bill that's being uh, that, that, that's that's being proposed or a bill that's being voted on in a committee. Um, I I wish more people would take time to understand the entire process. Um, I always tell people to judge the the, the legislature and in the session by what actually becomes law. Um, not. By what any individual legislator um, proposes, and and too often we paint with a broad brush and and uh, don't understand it's, it. The media loves to focus on the the controversial issues. Many of them don't even go anywhere. Many of them don't even get a hearing. And uh, and so I, I, I just encourage people when you look at what is actually moving forward, um and and where we are, I think it's been a, a really positive session. And and my hats off to legislators and leadership who are working so hard to uh, to get us close. We're we're really two weeks from tomorrow will be the last day of the session, and uh, we can't wait for it to get here.
1: Governor, there have been a couple of bills this session which raise concerns about public access to important information, important documents, and and access to log- uh, legislators. Uh, one of those is the rule passed in the Senate chambers, and I understand that you don't uh, vote or veto or have really much to do with this, except I would like you to just give us your opinion. Um, this is the first time that the Senate has uh, said that Reporters are off limits on the floor of the chambers, and that's really a significant change from the past. I don't know if you know this, but I covered a legislature for many years, and I always had access to a lawmaker when a bill was being proposed, and I had immediate access, and this really changes that. So just give us your perspective on limiting public access in that way.
4: Sure. So, so I appreciate the uh, the, the question, and uh, and and I want to be clear again. I know I know you said this, but I, I want to make it very clear. We, we are separate branches of government, and so the the House and the Senate they set their own rules for all kinds of things, and, and the governor doesn't get an opportunity to to weigh on in on those things. Nor nor should we. Um, that that's that's certainly not our role. Um, I, I the the um it, it's, it's the fourth estate is really important, and and making sure that uh, that the media has an opportunity opportunity um, to, to meet with elected officials is, is critical. It's, it's critical not just to the people, but it's critical for, I, I believe, for elected officials as well to have these these opportunities. Um, now, m- my understanding is that media still would have access. They just have to be a- accompanied by a staffer or a member. So they, they have to get permission uh, to, to go into these places, which, which usually happens. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm guessing most of the time, if not a significant majority of the time, that's what happens Anyway, that you 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 have a conversation, you, you've reached out, you're meeting with uh, with a legislator, um, and certainly they're they're still allowed in committee rooms. Um, I know there's some questions about having having computers behind the dais, um, and and that just again requires the the, the permission of the uh, uh, of the, um, the, the the committee chair. Um, so so I, I, I it is a big issue and it's important issue, and certainly members of the media care and members of the public should care about that, and, and I think they're right. To and I think they're right to raise concerns. I think that makes sense. Um, I, I, I always tell uh, legislators I, I would be wary of, of, of picking fights with people who buy their ink by the barrel, although I guess we, we don't buy a lot of ink anymore. It's all, it's all mm-hmm. digital now. And, uh, and, and, but making sure that they're, they're improving and enhancing those, those relationships. So I, I can't speak to any issues that they've had or, or the reasons to, for, for the, the change. Again, I'm, I'm not involved in, in any of those discussions, but I, I do this every week. With, with you, uh, or every month with you. Um, I, I try to be open. I believe it's really important to allow the media to ask questions, even hard questions. Um, obviously, we're going to get stories that we disagree with. Uh, by and large, most, the vast majority of reporters in this state are professional. They're amazing at what they do. They don't have person, uh, personal access to grind. They're not Twitter trolls, um, most of them do really, really excellent work, and, and I hope we're, we're doing everything we can to make uh, to make uh, what we 're doing the lawmaking process more accessible I, you know I, in, our, in my previous comment, as you asked me about the legislative session and, and what's happening up there, I said I wished that the public understood the process better well the way the public learns about that process is is through you it's through the media and so I, I really want to uh, do everything we can to to, uh, to make that more accessible, and I, I hope the legislature will continue to allow access. I know they put these, they, they made it a permission only, but I, I sincerely hope they're granting permission when those requests are coming.
1: Governor, one of the bills that you will have a chance to see if it does pass is uh, one by Senator Bramble, the Garrity Bill, and this really uh, limits the public's ability to request information in, in pretty much police internal procedures, you know, issues that don't reach that level of criminal charges. Uh, for example, just to give our listeners some context, uh, this would impact uh, something like the Gabby Petito case, where she had that interaction with her boyfriend down in Noab, Utah, and If this bill was to uh, proceed or to be passed by the Senate, it would mean that uh, people wouldn't have access to what law enforcement actually did and their procedures, how they responded and if they responded appropriately. Uh, What are your feelings on that bill?
4: Yeah, thank you for, for the question. So we have, you know, we have over a thousand bill files that are, that are open. Um, about 500 uh, of those bills will, will pass. And, uh, and so I, I work really hard to be on top of every one of those. Um, I, I, I have to be f- completely honest with you. I have not read the Garrity bill yet. And, uh, and so I, I know it's something that, that our team is watching. Um, and, and we're, we're, we're always concerned with with access to information I, I believe that sunlight is the best antiseptic um making sure that uh, that that we're we're very careful we, we look as government right now we have a trust deficit uh and this is this is true across the world if you look at institutions um the the media has a trust deficit right now uh elected officials and governments have a trust deficit right now um even cor- businesses and corporations trust is is Failing and falling significantly, and so any time that we are we are we're removing access or sunlight, I I am concerned. Um, and so uh, so this is one that that uh, again our team will take a look at if it does make its way through the process. Um, I will look at it very. Carefully, um, I, I I believe that Garrity is is really serious because testimony is being compelled for uh, for internal purposes. Um, this doesn't happen in in criminal courts. Uh, a person is never compelled to incriminate themselves, but but officers can be compelled under under Garrity. So um, post and other internal investigations that are concerned with officers would no no longer be able to help them um, li- like they they would otherwise. So so. You know, so I'm, again, I'm I'm not I'm not completely sure on all of the issues surrounding this, but we will we will look closely and uh, and hopefully I'll have a, a better answer for you um, next time we we, you, we talk about this one.
1: Okay, but if it does limit access to important police procedures that are important for people to know about, would you veto that bill?
4: well and, and that 's again where I would have to look more more closely at the bill and and, and understand the the arguments around it, but as a general rule um, it, again unless something 's broken uh, if it's, if it 's been working okay the, the way it is now um, i, I, I don 't think especially law enforcement, we need to make sure that, uh, that, that the trust deficit there is is always improving and, uh, and 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 more access rather than less is is usually the right answer
1: all right let 's take your calls now the number- Remember to call to speak with the governor 801 581 8255 You can also text us at 57500. We'll be right back.
2: A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought I'm gonna to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said you need to
4: give us your phone and
3: Your questions answered by the governor. Call 801 575 8255 to join Let, Let Me, Me Speak, speak to, to the, the governor. governor on KSL News Radio.
1: And thank you for joining us this noon hour. I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Utah Governor Spencer Cox. We're taking your calls again 801 575 8255. And we have Michael on the line, Governor from Ogden. Good afternoon, Michael.
5: Hello. Nice to
2: speak to you, Governor. My question is, how do you feel about um, first-degree felonies with sex charges? Are they never been charged before, but they're doing everything right. How do you feel about it? And is there a bill that se- uh, goes through the processing
4: Thank you Michael, for, for that question. so you know we, we, we don't have a bill specifically on, uh, on felony reform uh, in the legislature right now but, but I can' speak to the clean slate law that ju- just uh, that, that was just implemented It's actually a bill that passed a few years ago, but we were we were fortunate to get that implemented and uh, we, we had uh, we had an opportunity to share that with the, the rest of the country. It was very well received and, and, and look in Utah we believe in the rule of law and we believe that people should be held accountable. For their actions, and uh, and that that is critical to who we are. It, it, it's, it's so important that people are responsible. But once people have paid their debt to society, um, then it's also important that we help them reintegrate back into society. Uh, so th- this bill, the clean slate law, we became just the second in the nation. Uh, it, it really gives those with with misdemeanors the opportunity to have their their uh, their offenses expunged if they've been on good behavior for five years or six years. Seven years, depending on the level of the uh, the misdemeanor. Uh, th- th- this this will change their lives. It will make it easier for them to get jobs, uh, make it easier for them to get housing. Uh, you shouldn't have to wear that as a scarlet letter for the the rest of your life. Um, it, these are for nonviolent offenses, um, and uh, and it's not for multiple offenders. But but for those that that do make a mistake like that one, um, they they serve their time, pay their fines, whatever it is that they're required to do by the court. Then uh, then after five years they have an opportunity to take that off of their record and uh, th- this is a win it's it's something that the conservatives agree on it's something that liberals agree on it's it's better for our society and it helps prevent recidivism it helps prevent people from going back to jail uh, because they they can't get their lives back together because this is this is hanging over them and it's something we believe in second chances here in utah and i'm, I'm proud that we were able to get that implemented
1: Uh, Governor, for a moment, let's uh, focus on education and things going through the legislature when it comes to education. Uh, First of all, the school voucher bill, how do you feel about that?
4: Well, I, I had this conversation this morning, and uh, with with the media, and and I, I want to be very clear. I'm, I'm very supportive of, of vouchers. I'm very supportive of school choice. Um, I, I believe that school choice is important. That families should have opportunities to decide what type of education is best for their 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 kids. Um, I think it's foundational to to who we are, and uh, and so I'm I'm very supportive of vouchers. And, and we do have choice today. Um, we we have a charter system that didn't exist when when uh, the voucher uh, bill came up for a vote um, fourteen years ago or whenever that was and, and we we have incredible charter schools across the state that have given parents more more choice than they've ever had in the state of Utah um, all, all of that being said um, in, in order to take money away public money away uh, to pay for private schools which is what what vouchers do or what, what this hope scholarship bill does, um, you have to, you have to make sure that you're fully funding or appropriately funding the education system in your state. And, and I just don't believe we're quite there yet. Um, we, are we're, we're getting closer. Um, we're doing better, uh, but we still have a ways to go. And, and, and before I can support a, a voucher bill, um, we've got to do better. Look, with, with inflation, what's happening in our, in our, our state and our country right now, um, the, the price of housing, I don't want to live in a state where where teachers can't uh, can't buy a house um, the the starting salary average salary for a teacher right now in the state of Utah is about forty three thousand dollars the average salary for a teacher in the state of Utah is is uh, is, is in the mid 50s somewhere fifty three fifty four thousand dollars somewhere around there and, uh, and 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 that's that's not good enough i I, I believe we can do better and so I, what I would like to see is uh, I, I truly believe that if we want the best schools and the as teachers that we we need to pay them like it um, when it, when we we could get to a starting salary uh, approaching sixty thousand dollars then I would be all in on vouchers I would I would help run the bill I, I would do everything I can to get that voucher bill passed because I do believe in it but I just don't think we're there yet and uh, and this isn't the right time and on top of that I'm, I'm really worried about our teachers right now um, it, it's been a hard two years you know we've we've been very fortunate in this state we were the first state uh, one of the first states in the nation to have kids back in school, um, as the pandemic started to have, we knew how important it was to have in-person learning face-to-face education. Um, and, and we've been a model for the nation for that. Now you have democratic governors who realize they made a huge mistake in keeping schools closed. And and as much as, as we as politicians would like to pat ourselves on the back for that. Um, and, and, you know, we, I think we do deserve some credit for for not keeping schools closed. Uh, but, but we didn't do that. We didn't keep schools open. Teachers kept schools open. Teachers are the ones that bore the burden of, of, of making sure that kids had an opportunity to learn. Teachers were the ones that prevented us having the same uh, education gaps that, are, that have happened in other states because of the pandemic. Teachers are the ones that have been helping kids who were out online, um, who, you know, who had COVID, make sure that they're not falling behind. Uh, teachers are doing online and in person. Um, they, they have just been warned down um, the, the grind has become so much. We had a teacher shortage before the uh, the pandemic. Um, that's being exacerbated right now uh, as as the pressure and the grind has. has there's so many of them. They're saying, you know, th- this is just too much. We're gonna we're gonna find something else to do. And so we need to make sure we're taking care of our teachers. We need to pay them. Uh, we need to pay them well. And uh, and so that's that's where I am right now. We'll continue to work with the sponsors of these bills. Again, I want to be supportive of these bills at the right time. And let's, let's get some more funding in there. Let's pay our teachers more, and then let's do vouchers.
1: Yeah, one of our texters reminding us of what is tough about this bill, and that is that this scholarship bill was intended to help the underprivileged and people with special needs. And so when you veto that, what, uh, what are your hopes for those people who need that extra help?
4: Well, look, the special needs bill passed last year or or two years ago that that bill 's already out there, and it 's already being funded, so we are doing some of this with with special needs um, I- individuals and uh, and so I, I i again I want everyone to have opportunity and that 's important but but you don 't you, you don 't do that by making our schools worse. And then giving money to to underprivileged kids to go to other schools. I, I would I would rather spend that money money right now to improve those schools where where our underprivileged are going, including rural schools. That's where our focus needs to be. Um, and and these private schools can they can do scholarships, they can do uh, fundraising. Many of them do uh, to make opportunities for underprivileged students, and we certainly support that. Again, we have we have charter schools that are an option for for kids and underprivileged kids if if they don't feel like they're getting the the the, the, the amount of attention or having the success that they need in in public schools but but the answer isn't to make public schools worse the answer is let's do more let's get our public schools where they need to be in underprivileged areas which is why I'm supporting significant increases for our title one schools because that's where we need the help um, let's get those schools better and then then it's a fair then it's a fair choice that then people can choose if they want to to, to take their money and go somewhere else but not at the expense of everyone else that's going to that school.
1: Right. Now, Governor, governor the next extra then wants to know uh, why their taxes should go to pay the public schools when their kids aren't attending those schools.
4: Well, th- th- this is a this is a decision that we've made as a society that public schools are really important. Um, that we need to make sure that it, that a well-educated society benefits everyone. So if you're you know if you're an 80 year old person who doesn't have any kids in school, um, you're a young person who just graduated, or you have kids that are going to, uh, to to different schools. That that's that's something we decided as a country long long ago, and that's not going to change. And I believe it's the right the right move as well. Look, um, it, you know those kids are going to get. Out and run company someday, and they're going to hire kids who went to public schools, and they're going to they're going to wish that every every person they hired or every colleague they work with um, was was someone who had a great education. So so this selfishness that we keep seeing uh, uh, around education, where I get mine but nobody else gets theirs, um, I, I just think that's a huge mistake. We're we're in this together, and and I don't care if you live in Park City, um, or in in one of our more affluent areas. You should care about the education that's happening in. West Valley. You should care about the education that's happening in Sampe County because ultimately it affects all of us. We need a well-educated society to function as a society. And that happens through uh, making sure that we have well-funded schools. We have the best teachers in the world teaching in those schools. And we're giving every kid an opportunity regardless of their zip code.
1: Governor, we need to take a break for the bottom of the hour news. The number to call when we come back, 801-575-8255. You could text us at 575 5- 8255 With even warmer days moving into the weekend,
0: get your questions answered by the governor.
2: Call
3: 801-575-8255 to join Let Let Me Speak speak to to the the Governor governor on KSL News Radio.
1: Thank you for joining us this afternoon. I'm Maria Shaleos, along with Utah Governor Spencer Cox. We have Mary who has been very patiently waiting on the line. And Mary, what is your question for the Governor?
2: Hi. Governor Cox, um, I'm from originally from Salt Lake City, Utah, but my husband and I moved to Saratoga Springs ten years ago. And in the past four years, it has been expect been growing, expect very fast. I can't talk. Well, anyway, but we have been. It feels like the city council and the mayor are like selling their souls to the development companies. And what I want to ask you is, um, is ha- we do not have the infrastructure for all of these condominiums, new houses that are ca- that are coming to our city for like fire, ambulance, and they just keep building and building and building. And I have been on, I have talked to the city council, and also I texted you at one time or mailed you. That my, my neighbors and I we have problems with edge homes, with Dr. Horton, with Wadsworth, and they just keep building homes without letting us know about the infrastructure or the impact fees that are going towards our recreational parks. And many of us want to have a dog park there. Now you know a lot of them we don't have backyards. We we have to walk. And what what can you do? as our governor, to maybe put a little pressure on slowing down the development of housing and getting in a better infrastructure in Saratoga Springs, Utah.
4: Well, Mary, thank you for for that question. As as you know, Utah is the the fastest growing state in the nation over the past decade, and uh, and certainly cities and towns across the the state are feeling that pinch. As as someone who served on a city council and as a mayor and, and as a county commissioner, I'm 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 very familiar with some of those growth issues. We certainly saw some of that in in 2005, 2006 before the uh, the, the Great Recession, and 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 then of course uh, we, we've seen it over the the past few years as, as as some of these, and, and Saratoga, Saratoga Springs is one area that has certainly grown very, very quickly. U- ultimately, those decisions uh, are around building uh, rest right now with with your your local city councils, and, and those are decisions that uh, that that they are making. Tr- Balancing um, that infrastructure piece, uh, there there certainly is some good news in this area, and that is that uh, with the the, the passage of, of the American Rescue Plan um, last year, as well as the the passage of the infrastructure bill uh, a few months ago, that there are more dollars that will be coming to municipalities uh, throughout the throughout the country, um, helping to alleviate some of these infrastructure problems. Now, now one of the concerns we had with the the congressional Infrastructure bill was that the rules as they came out said you could only use this on existing infrastructure, not on new infrastructure. Uh, but but I got a letter from uh, from Senator Mitch McConnell last week explaining that that is nowhere in the bill. Um, certainly that is not the the, the the those are not the rules that were given, and uh, that this could be used for new infrastructure. So that will give us an opportunity um, to 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 work with municipalities to. Improve to add additional infrastructure where that density is increasing and, and make sure that we continue to improve the uh, the quality of life there. I can also tell you that, it, that at the, the Department of Transportation, we, uh, we have hundreds of millions of dollars planned for, uh, for this area um, to improve transportation over the next decade. So th- this isn't your local cities and streets, but these are our state roads that, that are in and around your community, um, We've uh, we've recently expanded Redwood Road to five lanes through much of Saratoga Springs, um, investing tens of millions of dollars. Uh, additionally, uh, we're going to begin construction at the end of next year to connect Mountain View Corridor between Saratoga Springs and Bluffdell in Salt Lake County. So this will provide a, an additional north-south connection for this area of Utah County and make it easier for residents to get where they need to go. Um, some roads are, are under UDOT's jurisdiction and others are, are local, as I mentioned. So so it sounds like you are getting involved with your community and, uh, and making sure that your neighbors work are, are trying to work with uh, city council members and, and uh, mayors to uh, to hopefully be responsive. So thank you for that question. You're, you're certainly not alone in, with those concerns.
1: Governor, our next texter is wondering when the state is going to take a stand on either staying on daylight savings or daylight saving time or standard time. Uh, why, why can't we do that? He wants to know.
4: Well, I took a stand a long time ago, but uh, but unfortunately, the governor alone <laughs> cannot change that. So, I, I like most Utahns, um, I, I, I don't love daylight saving time. Um, I, I would love to, uh, to, to move from that springing forward or falling back. Um, so, so there, there are really a couple issues here, uh, and, and it's that, you know, what, what a state does can be impacted by what the states around them are doing as well. Um, and so there, there are, there are kind of two options. One, of course, is to, um, is to fall back and stay there, which is where. Where we are now that's where it, it's um, it's lighter earlier but darker later right and um, I, I will tell you that polling is pretty consistent that most most Utahns, including me um, do not want that option um, they prefer the option where we spring forward and uh, and and stay sprung as it were um, so that we have the the, the lighter days uh, during the summer months at the end of again not not more daylight but at the end of the day you have more light um, and, uh, and 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 keep that throughout the winter months months. We've certainly lengthened that period over the past few years, um, so, so now that there, there's a shorter time period when we, um, when we fall back. Um, all of that being said, though, to, to make that change, um, we, we need some help. So states are allowed to fall back and stay there, um, so, so the legislature could do that. But to do the other, which is what most legislators and most Utahns want to spring forward, we actually need congressional approval to do that. There are bills out there. Um, I, I know Senator Marco Rubio and others have been working on a bill uh, to get that done, it hasn't been able to make its way through Congress yet to give us that that option. Um, but but we are very hopeful. Um, we 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 have had bills in the past here in the state um, that would allow us to do that if other states um, went along with us, surrounding states. If we could all kind of do it together, um, it would certainly make it happen. But but I suspect um, in the next decade we may see some changes there, and I'm certainly hopeful.
1: Yeah, that jumping back and forth can be pretty disruptive. Uh, let's see, Jamie is next on the line in Salt Lake City, and Jamie, what is your question for the governor?
2: Yes. Hi. Thank you for taking my question. Um, I was hoping Governor Cox could share with the listeners your thoughts on the future of women's health and family planning in Utah if Roe versus Wade is dismantled.
4: Yeah, thank you for that that question, Jamie. Um, I, I appreciate it. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, it's it's been fair, fairly well covered and publicized that there there is a, an uh, abortion uh, case, uh, I believe, out of Mississippi. I, I could be wrong on that. I think it is out of Mississippi that is is before the Supreme Court now. Um, there there's a lot of interest in that case. What will happen? Will they uh, will they undo that and and put it back to the states? Um, we will see. Uh, I, I I don't know exactly what will happen we do have other cases that are also headed to the Supreme Court um, the, the state of Utah has uh, has a bill that was passed a couple years ago uh, preventing abortions um, later than uh, than 18 weeks I, I believe uh, of pregnancy and uh, and so that those those bills are all on hold pending these decisions um, it, it is no secret that that, that I am pro-life um, that that I am opposed to abortion um, except in in cases uh, of, of rape or in or the um, the health of the mother and and that those um, should not be done at, at, at past you know later stages and, and past viability. Uh, but but I, I'm very much pro-life, and so I, I anticipate uh, that, uh, that that we will see bills impacting that if if Roe Roe v Wade is overturned. Um, I, I've always said it, it should be a state's decision, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm certainly not not alone in that. Even um, uh, Supreme Court justices uh, even. And those that that lean very liberal um, have have on occasion lamented that that uh, it, it was a mistake to have the Supreme Court make that decision as opposed to the states and and wondered where we we, we might be now Ruth Bader Ginsburg being the the most famous example of that um, but I, I I also believe that y- you you have to have this conversation um, more broadly um, for those of us that are pro-life um, I, I believe we have to do more uh, for women and for families and for children, um, it, 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 making it, making it easier for family planning, um, making it so that we have fewer unwanted pregnancies. Uh, that's a great way to, uh, uh, a great way to end abortion is to, is to not have an unwanted pregnancies in the first place. Um, we, we've made some strides in that as a society. We have fewer teenage pregnancies than, than ever before. That's good news, but we still have a long ways to go. And, and then how we treat, um, uh, single moms and, and, and those, um, who, who do have, have kids and are struggling. Um, we have to care as much about them as we do about, uh, about being pro-life and and the abortion rights. So I, I think that there's much more we can do on that side. And I certainly hope that if there are any changes, uh, post Roe v. Wade, that we are putting more resources towards, um, unwanted pregnancies and supporting mothers and, and, and children, uh, who, who take those babies to, um, and bring those babies into this world.
1: Governor, we need to take a break. Uh, We'll come back with the final segment of Let Me Speak to the Governor. We have a number of callers waiting on the line, a number of texts as well. The number to call, 801-575-8255. You can text us at five seven five zero
3: zero. Visit TaxHelpUT.com and get... Your questions answered by the governor. Call 801 575 8255 to join Let, Let Me, Me Speak, Speak to, to the, the governor, governor on KSL News Radio.
1: Thank you for joining us for Let Me Speak to the Governor, Maria Schleus, along with Governor Spencer Cox. And we have a call coming in from Adam in Orem. Uh, good afternoon, Adam. What is your question?
5: Hey, good afternoon. Hey, Governor Cox, SB 32 just passed the House and the Senate recently. My wife was a nurse who was attacked about. Three and a half months ago, the Utah State Hospital, and uh, and what what are your plans for that? Is that see something? Is that something you can support? And and honestly, sir, I called your office three times, four times, and no answer. And it wasn't until I pushed really hard, city attorneys, sheriff, administration, to get something done, because they're all in this quagmire. of, Well, they're early, they're already mentally ill. Well, not all mentally ill people are violent. And sure as heck, the healthcare providers, like my wife don't deserve to be punched and have three months off work at 60% pay. So are you planning on signing that? What's your perspective on it?
4: Adam and I'm so sorry. I, I'm, I'm familiar with uh, with what happened to your wife, and uh, it's just devastating. And you're absolutely right um, that that we have to protect our healthcare workers. And uh, I am very supportive of HB 32 and, and those enhanced penalties. Um, too many, and this is happening not just at the state hospitals; it's happening at hospitals all across the state where um, where our people are being assaulted, and, and we we have to make sure that that doesn't happen. And if it does, that we hold people accountable. So yes, I will absolutely be uh, be be uh, uh, signing
5: that bill.
1: All right. Our uh, next caller is James in West Jordan. Uh, good afternoon, James.
5: Hey, thank you for taking my question, uh, Governor. Uh, uh, I, my question is, Is what are you doing about senior citizens? Uh, I've been asking our lawmakers to pass a law that says when you retire and go on Social Security and Medicare, that they put your property taxes at whatever it is when you retire, and that they won't go up anymore until you die or uh, or you sell the property. Then they can reevaluate it because a lot of the seniors are living on Social Security alone, and their properties are going up every year. Values are going up every year, but yet uh, they keep raising the the property taxes. But their income doesn't go up. A lot of people, a lot of those seniors are struggling just to whether they're going to buy groceries, pay, pay for their medical insurance, uh, save their money for the property taxes, or, you know, et cetera, but their, their income doesn't go up. So the, the, the state is saying right now that they have a lot of money left, but nobody mentions helping the seniors uh, in that. So why, why don't they pass a law that says their, their uh, property taxes are froze when they retire?
4: Thank you, James. Yeah, yeah, no no, no, thank you for the question. And and I agree with extra money we should be looking at ways to uh, to help all Utahns, um especially our seniors. This is obviously a very difficult situation to uh, to to be in. Um one of the things that we have done is we we have a tax cut um this year. And part of that tax cut includes uh for the second time a cut in 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 taxes on social security. So this is specifically for our seniors. So this is good news. So we'll get more money in the pockets of our seniors. Now, uh, Unfortunately, property taxes are mostly governed at the local level, at cities and, and counties, um, but there are programs for people who are suffering a hardship. We, we call that a circuit breaker tax abatement. Um, it's it's tax relief for low income uh, for those that are ages 66 and older, um, and, and, and a really great program, and, and I would encourage you uh, to to, uh, to contact your county clerk. Uh, go to your county website. Look at those. You can apply for those property tax abatements, and, and hopefully for those... Those that are in, our, in, our, are in a situation uh, like yours will be able to get that property tax abated. Um, with the additional uh, with tax cuts we have this year, we're hoping to get more money in the pockets of our seniors. Thank you so much for that call.
1: Governor, there are several texters who've been asking about local control versus national control, federal control, I should say. And I think the most pointed question in this area is the latest one we received asking how you feel about House Bill 60, which uh, prohibits private businesses from requiring proof of vaccination. This texter says they believe at one point you said that you would veto this law. Uh, Tell us what you what your plans are
4: sure so we we're, we're, we're still looking at this one i know there's been some some changes made to it and 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 i'll tell you what i what i've told everybody and i'll i'll tell this texter and that is that um i'm, I'm I'm done with COVID bills. (laughs) I think we should all be done with COVID bills if we we really want to show Utah that we're we're moving forward. The best way to do that is to just be done with all the bills, all of them. Um, That being said, um, the 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 sponsor of the bill, Walt Brooks, is is absolutely right, Um, and and that is that that we should be done with uh, these the the vaccine requirements as cases continue to plummet, as uh, as these uh, as hospitalizations continue to plummet. um, Most Americans and and, and a significant majority of Utah's are ready to to go back to, to to normal and and there are very few businesses that are doing this right now and and my encouragement to businesses is now's the time um the, there there was a time before omicron when um when vaccinated people were much less likely to uh, to 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 get COVID and to spread COVID. With Omicron, that's not true at all. And so you could have somebody um, who is fully vaccinated who can get into one of these venues or into one of these businesses and actually have COVID and spread COVID. We, we have documented cases of this happening. Um, and, and so we, we, we are asking businesses to, um, to now move back and move forward. We're asking the legislature to move forward. And uh, and, and that's exactly what's happening. Um, the, the Utah Jazz announced that they would be suspending their, their vaccination requirement effective February 25th. I think you'll see a lot more of those um i hate mandates i I don't like the federal government coming in and telling businesses what they what they what they uh what they have to do we have an exception already we passed this i signed it into law um an exception for employees um they they can they can be exempted from those vaccine requirements and uh and so i i just i don't think we should be mandating businesses telling them what to do but but if i'm being intellectually honest then that means I, i i i i don't like us coming in and telling them they can't do this as well that's a mandate Uh, This is a mandate against mandates, And I don't like that either. Um, I would rather the market take care of that. And the market is taking care of that. And I suspect over the next couple of weeks, all of those, and and there aren't very many, the few that are left will go away as well.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering if that would even pass constitutional muster. If you can't mandate a vaccine from businesses, can you ban them from you know, mandate. Right.
4: That's that's the question. We we filed suit against the federal government to stop those mandates. And uh, and we've been successful. And uh, that's the right thing to do. But the question is now, could that turn around and prevent us from doing that same thing in reverse? Right. And and there are some arguments for that, uh, obviously.
1: Governor, we have just a couple of minutes left. Uh, The next person says there's been a lot of push for clean or renewable energy in the country. Uh, What are your thoughts on nuclear energy as a clean energy source?
4: look if, if you care if, if you care about climate you care about the environment um, you care about energy it, it, all of these things you have to be supportive of, of nuclear and, and i I am for sure um, it, it is important to have in our portfolio um, as a way to uh, as a way to produce energy that is with very low emissions no emissions uh, cheaper it's just as important as, as talking about solar and wind and and, and these other these other resources um, and, and as I as I went back to Washington D.C. a couple of weeks ago, was able to meet with the president, and vice president, as well as cabinet members that are working on these issues. Those are the conversations that we had. Um, not just around nuclear, but also again, if you if you want to have solar um, and you want to have uh, clean renewable energy vehicles, if you want electric vehicles, we also have to start uh, producing those those things here. And the only way to do that is is through mining the critical minerals and twenty. Eight of those 35 critical minerals are located right here in the state of Utah. We can't keep saying, you know, we care about the environment, we're going to let China and Africa uh, mine all of this stuff where they have no environmental controls, and, and, and in the case of China, they don't like us, it's making harder for us. Um, when we can do that right here, so our push with the administration, and the Secretary of Energy agrees with this, by the way, is that we have to do more mining and manufacturing here in the United States, and Utah is the perfect place for that to happen. And that's what we can do to have more electric vehicles to reduce emissions and clean up our air and and help with climate.
1: Governor, we appreciate your time. Thank you for spending this time with us every month on Let Me Speak to the Governor.
4: Thank you, Maria. It's great to be with you.
1: All right. And we'll see you next month.
0: Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer
1: night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do.
0: When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was
2: violent. It was senseless.
0: Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.